Hi, I'm Doug. And I'm David. And we are Beyond Hungry. David, what are we going to talk about today? Well, Doug, in today's episode, we got the opportunity to sit down and talk with Lissa Wade, owner and chef of Veggie Thumper. Um, to our listeners, if you can have visited Des Moines and are here in Iowa and seen a colorful bus um, at either festivals and uh, a parking lot here and there, so that that is the bus Veggie Thumper that specializes in vegan cuisine, and it is delicious. It is so good that you even question what you're eating is vegan. Um, she talks to us about how Veggie Thumper came to be and why she does it, the process she goes through buying organic produce, the journey of you know going from normal diet to vegetarian to becoming vegan the time and hard work it takes to make her products. And I'm telling you, when you bite into her food, you you doubt yourself. Like, did I read this menu correctly? <laughs> and the benefits she's experienced of being vegan and, and the healing in her body. And, you know, taking generation recipes that were passed down and adapting those recipes to make them healthier and passing that knowledge of nutrition and health to future generations. And it's just a great conversation, and it it was awesome. Well, let's get to it then. Let's go. Do you remember how that started? Like what were some of like the initial things that you tried to do, you know, when you were younger and, and do it like, what did you try and make? What were you replacing or was it not about a replacement? Um, what were those like those, those baby steps that you made to get you to where you are today? Well, I, I remember my mom went on a diet. I want to say, I don't remember, but I had been gone on vacation and then we came back from vacation because we went with like mm-hmm. other family members and mm-hmm. they were like, oh, we're like, where are all the snacks at? Like, what's up? So <laughs> <laughs> it starts. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, your mom's doing Weight Watchers. This is not allowed in here. This and for the next mm-hmm. few weeks until, you know, she's gotten her things under control. None of it. And we're like, but why are we affected by her? <laughs> <laughs> And so there was kind of that period. And I guess I was always one of those odd eaters anyway, where I would go on like an orange binge and I would eat nothing but oranges for like six weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And parents took me to a psychologist. They're like, she won't eat anything but oranges. And he was like, let her eat the oranges. At least she's eating it, I guess. <laughs> like, you know? And so there were always those weird moments in my life. I was very the same thing over and over for my birthday. I would request mm-hmm. the same food. And for a while there was like a, a sausage Mac kind of, will you, that my dad made had like, is it not Velveeta with the silver package. It was cream cheese. Uh, Philadelphia. Yes. That. And oh yeah. Spices, ground up sausage and corn. And that was it with Mac noodles. That was my jam. Yeah. And everybody's like, why do you want this every year for your birthday? I don't know. But that's what I want, and that's what we're having. Everybody else is used to go out to a restaurant. Like, no, I want my dad to cook. That and tacos were about the only thing I could ever remember having for my birthday, even. Uh, probably till my 23rd birthday, which I think was last year he made food. It was tacos. And so um, mm-hmm. when I would have 
occasionally cook and be like, Dad, I made dinner. I would always add more vegetables than were necessary. My mom would be like, well, see, she knows how to add vegetables. And then (laughs) (laughs) even though it was like a little teeny thing, it was like, oh, okay, she likes the fact I'm adding veggies. But then when I went all veggie, it was no longer acceptable. (laughs) 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 Then it was just like too many veggies all of a sudden. So I don't know. I think between what my kid was eating and seeing what they were sending home and mm-hmm. just seeing the school lunches, even though he wasn't eating them, I just was flabbergasted by the amount of kids who wouldn't eat certain things. And it's like, why are you given a choice? I know when I was a kid, there were things that were not an option. And if you didn't eat it, fine, we're all going to sit here together until it's gone. It's like, okay, well, I'm awfully stubborn. Mm-hmm. We'll be here all night. <laughs> and I just couldn't wrap my mind around it so I kept trying to you know introduce more things to his diet of course you go through that phase and there Mm -hmm. was probably a couple times my child puked intentionally I was like okay fine get a fork and eat it and then we cut that out (laughs) real quick because he's like oh you're gonna make me eat my pukey vegetables next time go for the trash can (laughs) not the plate like I got a heart (laughs) so he kind of figured that one out really fast Mm -hmm. and then from there it was just figuring out more ways to incorporate greens and healthy veggies to the diet I don't know why, but I feel like there's just times when your body speaks to you, you listen. Mm -hmm. And so I know veggies were cheaper and they filled us up. There was definitely Mm -hmm. that. And then when the gardens came along, obviously we had to figure out what to do with what we were growing. So then it was just like Adam in all the time. And there was probably a six year period. All I ate for breakfast was like sauteed veggies and nobody else enjoyed that part. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Yeah. Wait, let's backtrack a little bit. You mentioned the gardens. This is something I don't know about. What do you what do you what do you mean by that? I put Can you elaborate? Yeah, like when my dad died again, started trying to figure out like it was dark. You know, you're just your whole world went from being like, Okay, there's already a lot going on in my life to just being like every day, what is my purpose besides going to school and raising mm-hmm. this kid? So I had already started planting like flowers before he passed in odd areas. I've always just planted in random spots in the yard. And they did okay. I was like, all right, cool. And so the year after he died, I planted Brussels sprouts, like five. Oh. Yes, that was it. <laughs> Brussels sprouts and flowers. I didn't even know you could grow Brussels sprouts here. It's yeah, it's yeah. They take forever. Though. Yeah, they take forever. I just I remember those like BuzzFeed articles would be like, this is what Brussels sprouts look like when you actually grow them, and like it's this completely alien thing that like I had no idea that's what it looked like. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So I planted them like along like the pine bushes in the front yard mm-hmm. <laughs> and they grew to be like four feet tall i was like wow this is amazing you know and like digging them out and then having to figure out how to get them all off like which knife am i going to use to just make this the quickest and sh- you know up the stock and so then the next year i was like i'm just going to put in a garden so in 2010 i waited on this dude to come till up my plot and he never came so i bought a tiller and took up like a 10 by 20 plot and then I left per- for Peru for a month. And when I came back, it was just like, wow, I know what I'm doing. And I wasn't even here the whole time. <laughs> and from then on, it was just like, cool, we're going to grow food. That's what I'm going to do. And so every year I've added another garden plot since, except for this year, I didn't have time to add another garden plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the yard is just garden. So is this at your house or do you like rent one of those community gardens? Nope, this is at the house. I had a community garden. A friend gifted okay. me three plots, and then they gave away my plots after I was hauling wheelbarrows of uh, horse crap and compost up and down the block, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy, and then those plots got given away, and she's like, well, you can get new plots. 
I don't want new plots. These plots are a hassle. They're a hazard. They're full of weeds. I want the plots that I nurtured. But they were given away. And then I was like, okay, fine. So then I just tore up the front yard and said. <laughs> so when when did you start Veggie Thumper? Let's see. I started out as Farmer Wade. Farmer Wade? Yeah. What was behind that? Well. I mean, just your name and. Yep. And, and you were growing things. So wait, does that mean that the, the veggies that like go into the food are, are from your garden? Oh, a lot of the stuff comes from my yard. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So my yard and like a few other local gardeners around here, what I can get locally, <clears throat> I try to do that. That mm-hmm. I put an emphasis on that and make sure, you know, it's organic or at least grown by standards that I agree with. And um, so it started out as Farmer Wade and getting like 11 and there were like body butters and deodorants involved. Well, the deodorant came in for sure 11. I know that because I left class to go buy the stuff during a lecture. <laughs> I was like, hey, baby, <laughs> I have an idea. I'll be back. <laughs> and so I think Veggie Thumper probably came around like 2012-ish, 13. Let's see, Marches. I know for sure by 14, I was definitely going by Veggie Thumper. So in between mm-hmm. 11 and 13, for sure, the name kind of just stuck it was catchy it was cute and it worked okay I, I mean i was about to say like i love the name and there's something about it that like speaks to like some deep part of my like i, I get the veggie part the thumper part i don't get but like it works and but like where did that come from where is that like did that <laughs> oh the thumper part <laughs> some people thump bibles some people thump veggies Oh, okay. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I love that so much. So my mom is religious. And mm-hmm. for a while there, there's a lady she had taught with who was Jehovah's Witness. And so it started out as her coming by and just saying hi. You know how the story goes. One of them ends up to be in like 13. Fine. But they would say all day on my juicing day. And my smoothie mm-hmm. day. And juicers are loud. And when you're juicing beets and carrots, like, mm-hmm. you know, people are trying to have their <laughs> conversation. So, of course, they're like, what are you doing in there? It smells awfully good. So I started bringing them, like, juices and whatnot. And then I found it kind of to be a way as an escape as they were trying to pull me into their conversations. And I'm like, oh, busy making juices. Can't hear you. Sorry. And then so I started <laughs> with them. And they were like, wow, this is awesome. That what you're doing. And then my sister and my mom were in LA and she also, you know, kind of has the same lifestyle I do. She told her she was taking her for fried chicken. Well, you know, there actually wasn't chicken in that. (laughs) So they got there to the spot and my mom was very upset and they were having conversation. I don't know how I came up and said car conversation. And so that was, it's an ongoing argument of who actually started the thumper part. Adrian thinks it's her. Mm-hmm. I think it's me. I don't know which one of us came up with it, but anyway, I just ended up sticking for multiple reasons. And Adrian told her, you know, because my mom said I was taking the veggies overboard for food, and mm-hmm. um, veggie thumper stuck. And was that the same time that you had the truck, or the truck no. came later on? Truck came later. Okay. Didn't yeah. really ever think that veggie thumper would be what it is now. Will you? Um, I was like doing rallies and protests, not protests, but there were definitely rallies where I wanted people to know what was going on because it frustrated me. Like the first March against Monsanto, you know, some people hosted it and then we get there fine. We march, they, they had some good valid points and we ended at 
it used to be maybe 101 and then it switched over. I don't know what it is now, but whatever we ended at was like fried tenderloins and beer. And I was like, we marched all this way and now we have to march all the way back to our cars and this is the ending place. And my feelings were really hurt because I thought it was a, a good concept. And so there was supposed to be another one that fall and they hadn't taken the reins to do it. Like they just did it one time, I think, and thought that there was going to be more to it than that. And so I talked to my friend. I was like, hey, dude, I want to organize this next March. But I didn't want to call it what we didn't know because when I was calling people trying to gather support and they're like, oh, we're not going to get involved in that. They're like, that's messy, blah, blah. So I called it the Iowa Right to Know campaign. And that seemed to get more people to be like, oh, sure, we'll, we'll support that because we were telling people what we wanted them to know instead of what we didn't want them to know. <clears throat> and so that was when we got to march around the food prize and around City Hall and block off the street and not let the farmers market out in a timely fashion because we were blocking off the street and letting them know that, hey, Monsanto is getting a food prize for creating modified foods that isn't actually feeding the world. And so then moving forward, you know, I held another one, the Right to Know campaign, where it was like a victory garden rally. So we were teaching people, you know, sustainable methods to grow their own food and how to harvest, you know, and store rainwater to water their gardens and starting sprouts and whatnot and gave away seeds and all this other stuff also while informing them, you know, about our soil quality, our water quality and why it's important to maintain those things. And then I kind of came to the conclusion, I'm like, I'm not a nonprofit. I don't have enough money to keep hosting these events and paying for them. And people didn't really seem to care still like some did, you know, but the same people Mm -hmm. that cared were already pretty much walking that walk. And so it was like, we need to figure out a way to reach a wider, a wider base will you and then when I was on my bike I just got upset one day because there was not enough food on Ragbri and I had my bags full of food and then I was like I'm gonna buy my own bus and then I did it's awesome <laughs> you kind of talked about how a, a lot of the the vegetables that go into your food are, are from your garden but you also work with uh other growers okay. uh that that live up to kind of the standards that you have what are those standards what are you looking for like wh- who is a who is an ethical grower that 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 puts out the right kind of produce that yeah they, like that you will allow in your truck in your in your bus like sweet tooth farms like daystar harvest uh great egg gardens mm-hmm. wabi sabi uh be grateful gardens he grows awesome mushrooms like just people that aren't you know participating in harm to more animals and mm-hmm. not putting pesticides all over things that then turn around and end up back into our water and I'm not, you know, demanding that they be certified organic, but I want to know that your seeds, you know, are non-GMO. You know, if you can get heirloom, great. If not, okay, cool. But I prefer to know what steps did you take and what are you putting in the food? How are you growing it? Like, yes, there are some organic pesticides that are questionable, but for the most part, people are just like, we're doing whatever we can to make sure that we're not using pesticides or using as minimal as we can. So that's the people mm-hmm. I try to go with. Um, let's see, my potatoes are grown in Fontanelle, Iowa, Bridgewater Farms. Yeah, well, they mm-hmm. were until they ran out. So now I have to go get them in Whole Foods in a bag. But I try and, you know, disperse it between Campbell's and what I can't afford to get at Gateway and Natural Grocers and Whole Foods. So people are like, oh, vegan food is so cheap. Uh, not when you shop like I do. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people think like, you know, buying organic is like a, a privilege because it, mm-hmm. it is pretty pricey and it's like the access to it. So a lot, a lot of people say, like, oh, you eat organic. It's kind of like the kind of label view of like, oh, you, your income levels up here. Yeah. 
but not not they don't really rank you with your values, right? Like I'm willing to pay yeah. for my health versus like yes. Right. Like I'm willing to live with my mom at thirty five so I can eat okay snacks. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where we sit right now. So for those for those who are trying to go organic, where do you recommend them to start? Like let's say if, if they're like trying to be on a budget because you know or do you say are you kind of like what i do is like i just go to three different places like three different grocery stores like yeah. oh i know apples are cheaper here so i go here so what's what's your strategy for maybe someone who's listening who's like you know what i want to go either plant-based or try to be more organic like where do you go how do because sometimes when i go i'm like is this organic like mm-hmm. then you have like the whole steps thing so what, what strategy do you recommend for those who want to start when things are in season farmers markets that is the okay. best way to get the biggest bang for your bucks or signing up for a CSA. So um, I know for sure, like LSI, I don't know if they're offering a CSA, but um, it's refugee farming type situations. And mm. so they can put together mm. like boxes for you and a lot of the individual gardeners will. So it's like finding out who in your neighborhood is also growing food. That is a going to be your cheapest method of getting organic or at least things that aren't covered in pesticides and waxes. The other way is making a list. I did not initially shop with a list and then I was like, wow, I spent how much on food and then I didn't what I had. I just knew I had a whole bunch of ideas. So it's figuring out which place has what cheaper. A lot of people will shop at Trader Joe's. Um, I try not to go there heavily. I used to back in the day, but then it was like, okay, we're going to five different stores to get what we need. Um, I kind of want to know more about where their food comes from since they weren't willing to release some of those sources to me or anybody for that matter. And I know they're affiliated with Aldi and a lot of people do shop at Aldi, but I've noticed between Trader Joe's and Aldi's, it doesn't always last as long as I would like. When I go shopping, I would like my snacks to last for at least seven days in the fridge. Okay. I don't want my peppers to look wilted. So it's just a matter of looking at the prices of the different places that you go and then yeah you may have to drive around to actually get what you want at a Mm -hmm. a reasonable rate but some things are going to be cheaper at Campbell's like their vegan cheeses are probably the cheapest in town which most people wouldn't expect uh natural grocers would be next um whole foods I don't know about their cheeses but their potatoes their organic potatoes in a bag you get a pretty decent price there and I also kind of try and look at the packaging on, you know, when I'm buying things in a bag, is it going to come in a plastic bag or is it going to come in a mesh bag that I can reuse? Those are all things I try to look at before I'll go and purchase from a certain place. I think that's one of my pet peeves about Trader Joe's is that everything's in plastic. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so the start of Veggie Thumper and, um, you know, setting, how was the recept, the, the reception of the food you're creating well when the bus was painted red it was fine because nobody knew that it was vegan or vegetarian um then i painted it with veggies all over it and then questions started coming (laughs) 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 so um but wait wait that was that was a it was that just like you did you want the questions or you wanted veggies on the bus i wanted like on the bus you wanted veggies on the bus well it was red and that's not my favorite color Right. Um, it was loud, God, and it was shiny, <laughs> and it said "Let's go racing" on the front with like a Dale Earnhardt sticker. If you look at some of the windows, you'll still see the fifty-four that the sun <laughs> has like bled into the tent. <laughs> so it's like previous life was as a like just like a racing 
like party bus <laughs> entourage party bus thing. Is yeah, that what it was? the guys would take it from Bagley, Iowa or Jefferson, Iowa to Kansas City to watch the races. Okay. Yeah. So there was like initially a bathroom and like some sinks and a little grill on there. And yeah, that's what they did with the bus before it came to me. And um, so people didn't initially know for sure that everything was, you know, vegan or vegetarian. Because mm-hmm. I used to have pulled pork, even though it was in quotations. But people I've found do not read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can be very yeah. detailed in my descriptions. They're like, this is hot. It says spicy. <laughs> and so that at first it was fine. And then once, of course, the vegetables were painted on it and I would go do events and stuff like that, then people would pass us by. It would not your basic vegan nachos were the, mm. uh, the not your basic vegan starter pack. So once the nachos would start going out, people would be like, oh, where'd you get that? And they're like, oh, that bus over there. The one with all the veggies and the colors? Yeah. Okay. And the next thing you know, you'd have a whole bunch of people getting nachos. And you're like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But that was how it would always begin. Or some of the you know community would come out and they would get a snack and then they would go walk around and then people start coming over because they saw you know what other people had going on. And so initially, it wasn't that well received, depending on where I would go. Mm-hmm. But... It's gotten a lot better over the years. That's that's for certain. But at first, it was like I'd go to an event and I'd watch the other food trucks, and I'd be like, "Someday I'll have a line like those food trucks have a line." But people just <laughs> haven't caught on yet that vegan snacks can be awesome too. I think yeah, that, I think that's true. I think when you go into, I know when I took a trip to California, like vegan is like almost everywhere. Like it's right. just kind of like almost a new standard. And I, I remember I went to this bar, and it was like a, a death metal bar, but it was a vegan death metal bar. Interesting. And I was like, kind of blown away because you have people like there's like bikers there with like leather, like you know, like like I'm, it was like one of the guys like I heard it was like it's faux leather because I think he got like, <laughs> got into an argument, but they just showed up and people from like all different backgrounds were there, and it was like a death. It was like the weirdest experience I've ever had. Okay. But it was cool because I was like, you know, when you think about vegan people, like, you know, stereotype of like, you know, kind of like hippie-ish or mm-hmm. yoga and very light. And I'm here at this dark with like a ornate, like skulls made from like chandeliers, right? And like dark and, but vegan menu, vegan cocktails. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know where I was. I'm like, is this, is this real? Right. <laughs> But I feel like here in Iowa, like I feel like a lot of the the food trucks or even like the the bars almost serve the same fried food, and everyone just like this kind of like they gravitate to. Yeah. But as far as like support for your business, like I know like sometimes cultural like influences and and veganism sometimes just like kind of combative in mm-hmm. a way, like kind of don't want to accept it. Yeah. Did you see that? Like, because I know you have like nachos and. Um, patty melts. Yeah, I let, you're always let, like, I, I, there's so many I questions just, I have to ask. Yeah, like, like I remember eating your food, uh, like I think several years ago at one of like the food truck rallies or, or, or one of those areas, okay. and and I didn't, I didn't know that much about it. And I wasn't as interested in veganism at that point, and now I'm at a point where I am, and, and I, I did go to your truck uh, the, on Friday. Okay. And it's been a while since I've tried it. And I remember looking at the menu and being like, this is so different than like, 
You said something last time we talked about like no one was making like my food. Right. Was what you said to us. And like and I feel like your food is is very different than what people like normally conceive as as vegan. It's not it's definitely not California. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not there's something very satisfying and there's something I, I think what stood out to me was that like you know, you have a Frisco melt, you have nachos, you have these things that people know what they are and all these things have meat in them generally in like the popular conception of what they are. And I know that's not what it's in there. It's not a meat replacement is what I like is what I'm tasting in there. Right. It's like that, that deeper further down thing of just like what satisfies what that is. It doesn't have to be meat and you somehow get there. And there's like, I love how much char is on, <laughs> on everything. Mm-hmm. I love like just the smoke that's on there. And it's, okay. it's so primal and satisfying that like, and that I, that I don't get from anywhere else. And I think that's really, really, really impressive. And that's something that I can't find. Even even a lot of like the fancier places that do like vegan here, that's not the kind of experience that I get when I eat your food. And I, I just find that completely amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I want, I want to reinforce, reinforce what Doug said. Like, even when you go to restaurants and you have vegan food, you, you, you make everything in your menu, right? Like the meat, like the quote unquote meat, Yep. The, like the pulled pork, quote unquote, all this is vegan listeners. All of it is a vegan. Um, and when I first like I remember trying, it was almost like almost like it was better than Beyond Meat. Like even the meat alternatives that are out there. And I was Thank like, because mostly when you go to like a restaurant, you want like, a veggie burger. It's you know black beans. It's a little mushy. And then which I I do enjoy. And I ordered my my wife like the the melt that you had and and I ordered like the euro and I like when I bit into it, I was like, Are you am I sure this is vegan? Like right. you question it. <laughs> it, it. And it's like it's such a good job. Well, thank you. You do such a good job with flavors and textures that it's like mm-hmm. I, I find myself sometimes like questioning your menu. I'm like, I know I can read, it says a vegan, but <laughs> pulled pork is on there and it tastes like pulled pork and it, the textures like that. Right. So it's it's kind of like mind-boggling, and I think you do an inc- incredible job. And if our listeners are ever in Iowa or in Des Moines, like definitely check you out. But it's like how much work and what process did you go to to get there with that? It was a lot of trial and error. Tell you that much. Um, I make the wheat meat in house, so it takes a while. So when we run out, and people are like, "You ran out!" Like when Black Lives Matters first started, I had made you know, a bunch and I'll load up the freezer on the bus. And that was gone like a week and a half, which grateful, but I was like, that should have been six weeks worth of Philly meat. Um, uh, and it takes like six to nine hours to make. You know? Oh man. Yeah. Because I try and make it in a bigger batch so that I'm not having to sit there mm. and do it every single week. Cause it's really hard on the mixer. And um, mm. so anyway, it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out what works in things and, finding textures my flat top if I just get propane it runs a lot hotter and I sometimes forget that so my flat top runs about 700 degrees um which helps but if I'm slammed and then I'm like oh no 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 (laughs) like like, uh, I need more bread I totally blew that when I need because you don't have long if you turn around and try and do like four other things it does not take Mm -hmm. long to burn up um but it was more so finding a texture that worked for me because again, I didn't do soy when I started mm-hmm. this walk, which made me have to learn a whole other way of cooking because everything was soy based, everything 
right. you know, soy in it, you know, and that meant finding things that stuck together or things that aligned with what I wanted to eat. I'm a mood-based eater. That's why the menu looks the way that it looks. If something sounds good or feels good at that moment, then that's what we're going with. And I'm usually confident enough that I have no problem making something that I've never tried before and throwing it on a menu and just hoping that it's well received. (laughs) And most of the time it is. So I'm grateful for that. But texture is definitely. Yeah. I I think it's, I think it's interesting that you say that you're a mood based eater. Like so much of this feels like very intuitively like, right. And in like, like I said, when I was eating your food, like I knew it wasn't, like the, the, you can fool people with abstract ideas like hey this is a burger and this is a this is a beyond burger this is an impossible burger and just saying that they'll bite into it and they'll accept anything right but like i feel like what i was what is eating there was so much beyond that like it just felt right and and there was an intuition there that that i feel like beats a lot of what was out there and I, and I have to say like i wonder if also like a big part of it is is the ingredients that you use the fact that you're growing that or that you you have suppliers that you know you have really high standards with and just that like everything i was eating just felt you know that, like i can go to V and i can buy a carrot and i can cook that carrot and it's gonna be it's like <laughs> what i think of as a carrot but then like you go somewhere else like you go to a nice restaurant that has good suppliers or you you go to your truck and i eat that carrot and it's like this is the most carrot carrot i've ever had in my life you know what i mean there's like there's that difference and i think it's it's hard for like like it, it just like wakes you up every once in a while like man what have i been what orange vegetable have i been eating this entire time that hasn't been this like why is this so much better and it's it's crazy to think about how have um how has business been since with like covid and everything going on surprisingly good yeah, we've grown a lot. I mean, I don't know what it would have looked like had COVID not occurred or if I had moved around outside of my you know, limited locations right now, what even that would look like. But overall, I'm, I'm very grateful. You know, I've got, you know, a, a strong group of supporters anyway. The vegan community typically shows up for their own as it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just grateful for the outpouring of support that we have had and the fact that people, you know, are letting people know we're here. That's what really matters because, you know, last year it's like you'd share something, you know, and I've got my dedicated sharers who I always know hands down, they will share my stuff. But then you've got, you know, other people now who are telling people and they're actually like, well, no, but it's good. And so then people are finding out about it and they're coming to check it out. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, I do know that initially when I would, you know, talk to people about food and certain things, there's always that attitude that, oh, you think you're better than us because you're vegan or you eat organic. That has nothing to do with that. Like, I am not going to sit here and condemn you for the way that you choose to eat. Am I going to put you up on game? Sure. Like, that's my job as a human, I feel like, to educate you so at least you know and you're making a better choice. So mm-hmm. it's been surprisingly good. Like, we always do really well at Ace, and we pretty much always kind of have done pretty well at Ace. But even at my other location, you know, we're we're rocking there. People are finding out that we're there even though I'm kind of hard to see, but I'm grateful for it. And people, you know, reach out about us coming to different places. And I've had to a lot of people know that it kind of depends on the bathrooms. I drink a lot of water and coffee. So I pee a lot. <laughs> you have a bathroom, it ain't having it. <laughs> um, so there's definitely some of that. And then just not wanting to 
put ourselves in a situation where myself or my employees would be exposed mm-hmm. to this ongoing madness. So it's just been a lot more of a closed off summer, but I'm grateful for, you know, people showing up, grabbing snacks. Hopefully they'll still be down to grab the grab and goes and caterings and holiday stuff that we have planned to sustain them pretty much all winter getting people what is it like purple carrot or something like that where you can something online that's pretty much going to be my focus over the winter months so i don't have to keep the window open hey let us know when you're outside we'll meet you at the bus store and that's kind of how that's going to work out because with the window open it gets brutal with the window closed Mm. i can keep it nice and toasty in that bus (laughs) (laughs) um and so it'll be more along the lines of most of it's prepared. You may have to go get like the lettuce or something, something for this, but you'll know that ahead of time when you place your order, like what stuff you'll need to complete your meal. But that way you don't have to do all the cooking, but you're still getting something nutritious, but you feel like you're getting the cooking experience. Will you, um, for people to do on their own at home, except for obviously the holiday stuff, you're just going to have to pop that in and heat it up. But that's kind of my goal is to get people back into the kitchen, but in, a better way because a lot of people are like I don't know where to start like where do you find inspiration I look at a lot of pictures mm-hmm. and I'll be like oh I'll say real, real quick I came my wife came across on her YouTube feed we follow this the chef from Chicago called Rick Bayless and I talk about him all the time because my we used to grow up watching him on PBS but um he recently started doing these YouTube channels of like how to prepare his to-go food mm-hmm. like how to like set the oven and how to how long to microwave the tortillas and stuff and <laughs> when to flip them and then he does the plating like just grabs a plate and like shows you how to plate it so that it makes Smart. you feel how like you're eating at a restaurant but at home okay that's actually very so maybe maybe something like that would 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 help like do a little youtube of like maybe you can talk about the ingredients and then how to plate it so that people can can enjoy the veggie thumper experience at home Thank you. Very good point. I didn't even think about doing a video of how to make it look like it would be came to the bus. <laughs> no, because I we came across the video. I'm like, is he cooking? Because like, oh, he does cooking videos on YouTube. So we're watching this, and it's like, oh, three course meal, and it's like, here's like your your little appetizer, your entree, and your dessert. And then like when he's doing the entree, I was like, well, he didn't cook the appetizer. He was just heating it up. And then it just clicked in. I was like, oh, he's showing. The people who order that meal, how to plate it <laughs> at home. That's actually like probably. how, like where, like how long to heat up the meat or the vegetables in a pan, just so that like they're a little bit crispy because I don't think <laughs> it'll soggy on the to go box. Right. So I was like, this is this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, like, I feel bad because I've been ordering a lot of those like uh, meals from some of like the the pop ups, the virtual restaurants. Mm-hmm. And they'll have like, you know, pretty simple like reheating instructions. And I always feel bad because like I'll get them in the thing, I'll heat them all up, and then I'll put them on the plate, and I, I'll take a picture. And I'm like, man, I like, I wish I played this better. I bet they're looking at that, and they're like, they're always like, oh, thanks. And I'm just like, I bet they're looking. And they're like, oh, that's such a dog shit plating job. <laughs> <laughs> like, why couldn't they have just done it better? And like, I feel so bad. Like, I I remember, <laughs> I think one time I got ramen. Um, from somewhere and they I posted it and they're like they they messaged me like I think you, what did you do to the noodles? I was like, Oh, I mean I, I put them in. I was like, I think you overcooked them. I was like, Oh man, I probably did. <laughs> it was like but I was like I was like really happy because I was like, Thanks for giving a shit because like, you know, a lot of places would let that go. Right. 
you know, and they'd be like, you know, whatever, like they don't care. But like, you know, I was really happy to like have them like give that feedback. Like, yeah, I probably did overcook those or I did something wrong there. And so it's always nice to, to kind of get that kind of feedback right. uh, from people on that. Um, but like, yeah, like I, yeah, like planning advice is, it's, I think it's kind of important. I try to do a good job, but like, it's not my natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely gonna put that one in the archives for yeah. mental note. But that's exciting, like the kind of grab and go and like the holiday meals and stuff. That sounds that sounds really good. Right. And that way I don't yeah. have to be fully committed to a storefront, which I know people are like, when are you going to get a restaurant? Yeah. So Veggie Thumper has been around for how many years now? The bus itself got licensed in 19. Um, mm-hmm. I bought the bus in 16 and I started doing pop ups like I did a couple pop ups in 16. But 17, mm-hmm. there were a few more. And then 18, like, I tried to make sure I did one to two pop-ups a month when it was warm. Okay. So, sorry, what, what do you mean by license? The bus got licensed. Well, then I was able to, like, rock hard in the paint. So if I needed to take three mm-hmm. days to prep my menu, I could take three days to prep my menu. When I was just doing, like, you know, a quick event, I didn't have that mm-hmm. option. Like, you had to do your stuff on site or this, that, and the other. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so it was just not as much fun back then now it's like i have as yeah. much fun as i want to and keep my free i i'm i'm kind of curious because you you've you've been in business for a while now mm-hmm. so i i'm curious like what do you feel like because i feel like we have some listeners who are are kind of interested in starting their own food-based business like what do you feel like you learned in starting a food business you know in in the intervening years <sighs> that it was hard to get going um because like the mickle center wallace building well you it was full a lot of the time mm-hmm. so there was that issue plus for me it was more challenging because i'm picky about where i'll work and who i'm around mm-hmm. energies go into food and i don't want a lot of different energies going into the food because i don't know them mm-hmm. and so that was right. part of my issue with like Renting a spot and the lady's talking to me. She's like, I think you're overthinking it. And I said, no, I don't really think that I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was that problem. Plus um, shared equipment. I'm like, mm. is there still going to be meat juice on here? Like the OCD and me having to clean something multiple times before I'm actually willing to use it that played into things heavily because I just didn't understand. I was like, so I rent your spot and then I bring all my stuff in. So even at kitchen spaces, I still bring in most of my stuff when we do pop-ups. So that when we were doing wintertime pop-ups, it was like eight carloads worth of stuff to haul in all my cast iron, all my Instapots, you know, my little mini mixer, my blender. <laughs> it just, yeah, it was a lot. So I mean, for people wanting to get into it, it's really taking the time to do your research, which I didn't do. I just jumped in. So there were a lot of things that smacked me in the face as I would get going. I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. And the city would be like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, yeah, I am. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, watch me. <laughs> so it was just more of, it's expensive. Like, nobody tells you how expensive everything is going to be. When I had budgeted this out, I thought for sure I could have everything said, done, and rocking for $25,000. <laughs> 
that's what the brakes caused me essentially. But I was like, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, there's no money left for anything else because we had to spend it on repairs. But that's definitely life. Um, so it's just really figuring out all the different avenues, like looking at the food costs, how much food has gone up over the years, you know, like when mm. you do have to buy certain things and it's just a lot more goes into it than just the fun that people think. Cause people think, Oh, this is so, you know, fun. It's a food truck. You just, you don't have to do very many hours. <laughs> yeah. I still do about 90 hours a week. <laughs> like I don't think people realize Oof. just how much goes into making this be the illusion that you're getting. You know, like when I first started making the vegan ham, <laughs> my mom came into the kitchen. She's like, what is that? And I'm like running it through <laughs> a grinder. And I'm like, don't ask questions, just leave. And so then she'd, you know, see it as the ham leader. And she's like, okay. And I was like, that was what you were looking at. And you made that face. She's like, well, it's not bad, but that's definitely not what I was expecting the final product to be from what I saw. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So it's just really research and making sure your heart's in the right place and realizing that you shouldn't just be doing it for money. That's what I don't think a lot of people realize they're in the goal. Their end goal is to get money out of things. If that was mm -hmm. my end goal for veggie thumper. Well, we would have shot that one down a long time ago because it, it's definitely not all about the money. I'm doing it because it's, it's my happiness. Um, people are learning. I'm learning and I'm getting to share my experiences people and i'm grateful that they want to be a part what's so that would be the underlying things that i tell people before getting involved in anything food related because when you're the smaller you are the more you pay because you don't get mm -hmm. to buy in bulk you know and so it's you go to the grocery store and get the same prices that i do and a lot of people fail to realize that because i don't have you know three walk-in freezers and a walk-in cooler so that would be key for people to understand some of those things and what goes into like if you're going to do a food truck the city here is not kind to food trucks they don't want anything to do with them it's hard to find places to park them with my link like if i wasn't blessed to have fallen you know upon the people who allow me to park where i park i would be paying about 600 dollars a month to store that bus so oh, wow. yeah and on the beginning when i first moved here in like 2015 there was a lot of food trucks and i saw that that was dying down and a lot of people thought that and a lot of the food people in the food trucks knew the city was a little bit more um making it more challenging for like licenses and where to be able to be so uh -huh. it's it's nice to hear from from you and from someone who actually has the food truck still too to this day yeah like why why is that i mean i feel like food trucks were such like a a symbol for cities especially as des moines tried to get on so many top whatever lists right. that like food trucks were this big draw for millennial crowds and becoming one of those destinations and yet they they've been you know yeah we, we've heard the same reports that it's like the city's trying to make it hard why are they trying to make it hard for that don't they want that why wouldn't they want food trucks yeah that's the thing that i really couldn't understand either i think also, partially the people making the rules own restaurants and they have made it their job oh. to make it harder for those of us who don't want the commitment of the building. We would rather pay maintenance repairs than roof repairs. Um, so there's that. And I mean, I know there was a child, I think, killed by an ice cream truck here back back in the day. And that's initially what stopped it, from what I understand. Oh. Um hmm. Don't quote me on that, but from what I recall hearing that there was in the forest neighborhood, Drake neighborhood somewhere, there was a little boy who was hit by an ice cream truck. And then food trucks got banned here. 
And so oh, wow. was it 13, 14, like somewhere between 12 and 14, I know they started um, a legion of food trucks uh, with the social club and working right, on bringing yeah. them back. And then they came up, you know, with rules and whatnot. But they're not really, for me to park downtown, it would be almost $4,000 because people are like, come to the sculpture park. I refuse to pay that. That's stupid because of a parking meter. Remove the parking meter. You want me to bring people downtown, then how about you remove that? Or like event fees, like 8035. It was 1800 and change if I wanted to participate in that. And I'm like, times 20? And you charge me more because of my length? And so when I'm sitting here doing the math, I'm like, but you guys charge how much per person to even, you know, get a ticket to your festival and then you charge how much for food vendors. But I don't think people really realize just how much food vendors do, because if you have us, we keep people there versus people leaving to go get food and then potentially not coming back because they got hit with itis. And so I don't know what the city really thinks it's achieving by making it harder for us to operate. We help the economy thrive. We bring in more jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like there's things that a food truck can do that not just a brick and mortar can Plus the per capita here for the amount of restaurants we have is really high for, you know, the, our population. We have a lot of restaurants here in Iowa, which probably also goes into the obesity thing, but there's a lot of restaurants here and how they all manage to survive. I, I don't know. And we'll see what COVID does and we'll see what the city does moving forward. But I do know there are some things that do need to change as far as the food truck rules and regulations go and licensing and, there's not really enough commissaries is going to be another issue if there is a boom. But I know a lot of the food trucks were like, we're done with Des Moines because of the fees. Like I can go to Clive and go wherever I want to go in Clive for a hundred bucks. But in Des Moines, I have to pay a hundred dollars per place. You know what I'm saying? And it may or may not get approved. And if it doesn't get approved, they're like, okay, well we're keeping your hundred bucks. (laughs) So that doesn't include the licensing, you know, like they're like, it has to have enough, parking it has to be i can't remember how many feet away from a restaurant's front door we have to be but there's like all these little petty rules involved like are there places for your employees to go to the bathroom which of course is the first thing i ask anyway because i'm usually the person who has to be (laughs) um it's just Mm -hmm. make it easy here to make it work you know and then to go get licensed you have to go to like three different buildings which is even dumber and I was complaining about it. And he's like, I'm sorry. And it's like, well, no. I'm like, why should I have to bounce around to three different places and pay parking at three different locations or whatever? And I'm like, just to get one thing licensed. I'm like, you guys can't work that out. So at least with COVID, they've gotten more stuff online. So everything that used to be, you had to do face-to-face and you were told you couldn't do in life. Everything can now be done virtually. Online. So I'm, I'm Which, here. I mean, yeah. it's, one, it's one of the benefits of COVID. Right. <laughs> And also, you having a food truck kind of made you somewhat COVID-proof with the whole, like, leasing and and <laughs> eating outside. Like, oh, patio. I have a huge parking lot. That's right. A patio. Right. Like, bring your blanket. Get comfy. Like, it's been heartwarming to see people's, you know, creative ways of doing this. Like, when they bust open. Like, when we used to travel, when we had time for that kind of thing, uh, we would bust open my mom's tailgate, you know, make that, like, my little 
concession bar. I'd have my cutting boards because everywhere I've ever really traveled, I would take all my own food. And so when we were in uh, Hannibal, these people were like, oh my God, that's the cutest thing we've ever seen. You know, us assembling these sandwiches and slicing tomatoes and stuff in the back of the car. And they're like, well, it's really creative. You know, our little hand washing station, all things I'd had to learn from, you know, trying to pretend to be a food truck before I was actually a food truck. And <laughs> so then to see people implementing those same practices this summer in the parking lots, I'm like, this is fun, you know, bringing their whole family out and watching them actually connect and hang out while getting food. I've, I've enjoyed watching that. That's for sure. So what, what do you prefer your food now? Like, I mean, you mentioned the Mickle Center, but I know during our conversation, you said that you kind of at the bus. I got okay. 18 feet of space. Um, when I'm actually by the wall, I can plug in more stuff. So that helps because I'm limited when it's just the generator. Um, we can get plugged up against the wall. We can get like three or four Instapots going. So I can pretty much get done anything I need to do. Got a freezer on there. Um, got two big old fridges and a mini fridge that I keep by me. And that's how we get quick access. Cause that was kind of <laughs> in the beginning, it was the running back and forth between the fridge. And it was like, eh. And then I had a friend out there. He's <laughs> like, you need a fridge back here. And so then once uh, a friend built that deck for me for the generator, that cleared up um, 40 inches. It's like mini fridge. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to ask about that actually. Cause like, I, I think the, I mean, why did you choose a bus? You know, obviously it, it, it's, it's offered up some challenges with the city in terms of having to pay for more space. But like, you know, what, what was the reason behind the bus? Why not get what everyone else has some, some more traditional style food truck? Um, well, because A, we were schooling people on things, and <laughs> B, the space. Yeah. Definitely the space was where my mind went, because I could do so much more. I could fit more mm-hmm. in there, was what my thoughts were. Yeah. And I've only been in one or two other trucks, and just to see how tiny they are, I'm like, how do you get anything done in here? Like this is <laughs> this is ridiculous, you know. And then to find out this summer just how much we can actually get done in there. I mean, some of the times that we were, I was like, wow, I had no idea how much food actually was held in these fridges until you guys ate everything in a day. Like, thank you for helping That's me awesome. realizing that. So it's just really for me, it was all the different kitchens that I've worked in over the years. When I would look at them realistically, I'm like, the bus has about as much space as most of these kitchens do. So that part's been kind of fun. Yeah, we have to go to the store more, but you can fit quite a bit of stuff in there. It's it's impressive. The back door is the biggest hindrance, but whatever goes through the door is what fits on the bus. Mm. So real quick, I did a little research on the the ice the, the ice cream truck. So it was in nineteen sixty seven when the ban took place. Okay. And it was a kid who got hit after buying ice cream. So he wasn't hit by the truck, but because of like the noises and stuff. And apparently that's what still led to like the whole regulating of the food trucks. So over 40 years. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of what a food truck in 1967 was like. Right. Like, was it just hot dogs and hamburgers? Was that it? Like, well, that's all I can imagine. Well, I don't even think it was like that much of a food truck. I think it was most of those were like stands, right? Like carts, but ice yeah. cream trucks were a thing. And I think over time they just yeah. just put everything mm-hmm. in that category. 
But um, yeah, it's weird to think about. I want to go back to to like the benefits. And like you said, you know, early on in the conversation, you said you started feeling better going to vegan. Like, what were those benefits that you you felt like overall? Just like energy, or was it like inflammation, or both? I mean. Initially, like, as you start removing processed foods, like, you just started losing weight, skin cleared up, like, even though it was really hard to tell my hair length at that time because I was anti-combing before I locked it up. Um, I know my hair was growing rapidly. You know, my nails were growing rapidly. It's just certain things that you didn't really think about were just working on their own. You know, you became more regular when you're going to the restroom when you just aren't eating crap, you know, and... I just felt okay. And then my mom, you know, she was losing weight because we had to do pretty much a complete reset on her. So after I got good at the vegetarian thing, <laughs> she had to be gluten-free and vegan. It was like, oh, you got kidding me right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. And that was about 14, 15. That was pretty early on in the game. And so that – that made it a big challenge because at that point you have vegan and you have gluten-free. It's rare to find both together. And so I had to make bread from scratch, like pretty much everything I wanted to do had to be done from scratch for three full months. And then she had to slowly reintroduce things back in to find out there was something she was eating that would cause her whole face to swell, like bad mm. swelling. And then she had a bit of Lego. So they were trying to get to the bottom of what it was. We never did really get to the bottom of it because, I mean, we did the three-month thing, but she didn't slowly reintroduce. She was just like, screw it. I'm going to do me. I'm like, okay, cool. So um, she felt better. She lost weight. She got off a lot of medications that, you know, when she was hard in the paint now, she kind of just does her thing. And I'm like, you do what you do. I do what I do. But when I'm cooking, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> no exceptions. <laughs> um, so just a matter of feeling better as a whole, you know, and – being able to move a bit more freely. Like I did something to my knee probably in 14. And I do also feel like, you know, changing up how I eat has helped keep it in check. It might've been a tear in the meniscus. I don't know. I didn't go to the doctor in time. And then he was like, Oh, we can do an MRI. I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of radiation. I'm good. So just paying attention to what you're eating makes a big difference in how you feel each mm -hmm. day. And if it doesn't make me feel good, I won't eat it. Yeah. I know like early summer you had a pretty major back injury. Yeah, that was in September. Um, yeah. And then it was kind of surprising like, to see you, like, still moving around, fast-paced. <laughs> you're like, I was like, wait, do you, you just broke your back, and, like, you're out here just grinding, looking like normal, walking better than, I would say, even, like, some of the young people. Yeah. Like, I was like, man, like, I would not be moving if I was you. Like, I wake up with pain, so I was like... I, I commend you for your strength and thank you. And I'm sure like, I think uh, we, when we talked earlier, you said like, you know, you think definitely being vegan has definitely helped your body heal faster. Definitely. I feel like there's less inflammation because of that. Like turmeric was always a thing in my world. So just a lot more of it now these days, a lot more ginger. Um, I definitely feel like the diet helps with that. I mean, I definitely still know that it occurred. It's, and when I, I, if I lift too much or if I'm trying to do too much in the course of the day, I made myself buy a new bed. Finally, it's something that needed to happen a long time ago, but then waking up every day and you're like, okay, I did break my back. 
we probably <laughs> should go on ahead and adult and just invest in a bed. But me dragging said bed out has definitely irritated my back more, but I feel like me eating and drinking water the way that I do and making it a point to stretch all the time has definitely expedited the downtime. Because, I mean, like, the first two weeks were definitely hard. I, I probably went back sooner than I should have, but I knew I could do it. And there's something about the bus that just gives me energy and life. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but it's like I had to go up there one day because I obviously wasn't anticipating to leave the bus that day and not go back for a while. And so I had to run up to the bus and um, grab some stuff. And some of the stuff I knew that wasn't going to make it before I went back out, I was like, all right, well, let's bring that home and just eat it so we don't have to throw it away. I would go in there and I'd be like, <laughs> I feel energy. Like, bus is giving me life right now. And I just kept going back. Yeah. But I'm thankful That's that awesome. I eat the way I do. <laughs> we probably still wouldn't <laughs> be moving yet. <laughs> Well, I think it's very, very like important to to know that because I, I think one of the big reasons, well, I'm trying to go a little bit more plant-based. Um, I completely switched my, my lifestyle, but eating more healthy, more organic is, you know, I'm the only one in my family who's not diabetic or ha has high blood pressure. And I think a lot of communities of color have so many like um, health issues. And a lot of it has to do with food deserts, you know. And the fast food industry targeting those communities. Yep. But also it's like kind of the, sometimes I feel like, and I know in, in my community, it's kind of like the pride of like, not being like kind of anti-vegan, but more of like, oh, I eat meat, you know, it's mm -hmm. because it's kind of like this luxury status and not wanting to change the way you you eat. Do you feel like that, that you see that happening more in communities of color or... Yeah, I mean, I call it, you know, the generational curse that we keep handing down because you hand down recipes and you're handing down illness with said recipes because you're not adapting the recipes to the way we currently live. You're taking these recipes that have been in the family, you know, like I said, meat pies. I don't remember when my grandmother said they started it. My grandfather was Haitian. And there was it's something he really desired. And so I want to say at some point in the 70s, 60s is when meat pies became a thing for the holiday tradition. And so once I got my hands on them and Graham was too old to make the mix anymore for the, the, the pastries, I'm like, Crisco, nah. <laughs> Not doing that. You know, it was like finding what I could to make this dough and make it as close as possible. And then, you know, when you cut out the meat as a whole, <laughs> nobody was really too pumped the first year. Cause I think, no, actually, no, I have not done it where it's only vegan. I'll do them vegan, but they have to make their own meat ones. But the crust is now all vegan and I make, uh, I'll use wheat meat bean filling for mine. And so it's just, people aren't changing recipes as they're handed down. And so as I go through, you know, old school books of our families, I'm like, check this off, check that out, switch this with this, and just finding out what conversions work so that, A, it's healthier, it may not be healthy, but it's significantly healthier than what was handed down. Because initially, you have to think, like, you were given what the master gave you to eat. You got the leftover particles, and that's what you used to create a meal. And 
times aren't like that anymore. Now it's up to you to go get your own right, food. Right. Master doesn't hand you food. I mean, well, okay, it depends on how I want to take that. You could put that in a lot of different ways, but I'm not going to take it there right now. Food is being handed out by certain corporations, and I can't necessarily yeah. say that the corporations have your best interests in mind when they're handing you that food because they're getting a tax write-off. So maybe mm, we right. should reassess the things that we're willing to say yes to and not look at it as what you can't have, but what it's you won't have. And um, changing up some of your your choices like that, because people think, oh, it won't, won't ever affect me. You know, you see a guy who looks like they're in relatively good shape, but yet they eat whatever they want, whenever they want, and then they're having heart attacks. And it's not something that you would expect. And the fact that, you know, we're burying so many 45 and 50 year olds for things that could have been prevented had they just watched what they ate or changed what they ate, then conversations would probably be different. So it's, it's a hard conversation to have because I know definitely in the black community, some of them aren't trying to hear it. They really are not trying to hear it, but it's like high blood pressure, diabetes, getting a stint. You don't deserve a cookie because you got a stint. You need to make some changes. Right, right. And not enough of these conversations are truly happening. It's more so people mm. think that they're being condemned for what they're doing. No, it's not that. It's because I really do care. <laughs> like, I want yeah. you to be here to raise your grandkids or whatever. And that's, those are the conversations that we need to start having. And like some of these mom and pop shops, somebody was telling me the other day that um, like the things that are owned within families and then they become convenience stores, you know, and then they're taking the EBT. Well, you just made yourself, you know, contribute to a food desert because instead of you serving the fresh fruits and produce that people take towards, or it wasn't moving, now you're selling things that doesn't benefit anybody in the community and it's causing more of a problem. And so... It's, it's a conversation that's past you and it's hard to have, but th these conversations seem to be happening about what we're eating and why we're eating them. And if you're going to eat meat, okay, but let's talk about what's in the meat, where it came from, how sustainable is it? And are you eating a vegetable with it? Cause there's nothing, it takes all my willpower when I'm like on social media and somebody posts a picture of their food. And it's like this huge piece of meat, some starch, and then like three green beans. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is the problem. But to be fair, I'm guilty of that. Too, I, so. I am also guilty but, of that. Uh, but I deserve it. I deserve any any flack that comes my way for that. It's yeah. it's it's 100 deserved. I mean, it's. I I think what I find so fascinating is like you you've had the courage and you you've had to you've you've had this conversation or, or or fights, you know, if you will, you know, with your family to like take tradition and translate it you know, for, for very valid, really good reasons. And I think, I think you're right. A lot of people aren't willing to have that conversation, but like there is just this romanticized idea of what tradition means mm -hmm. and what it is and that you can't do anything to it. You can't violate it. But at the same time, like I do feel like those things still shift over time unknowingly, but what you're doing is actively, consciously, thoughtfully, purposefully translating and, and, and changing the traditions into something new that you can pass yep. on as well. So, and I find that so amazing. Thank you. That's incredible. Maybe that's what it's you about. Do, you do mention like your father used to cook a lot, do a lot of the cooking, and that was like a huge transition part. Like what is one of your favorite memories like of a meal that you used to have with your dad? Probably when he would always make me tacos for my birthday, just because he took the time out to do that and brownies. Tacos and brownies were my, my birthday thing until Baskin Robbins came along with cakes, of course. And I was like, <laughs> I want that, but I don't want the cake. 
okay? Dad's going to make the brownies, and they're going to make the ice cream cake, and then I'm going to cut off their cake and put it on top of my brownie. Um, so I would say those are probably some of my favorite memories with him or him showing me how, because it used to be I was not successful at cooking grilled cheese. And I remember Isaiah was little, and I wanted to make us both grilled cheeses, and he came in. I mean, it was just black. And I was like, Dad, I can't do it. <laughs> He's like, it's grilled cheese. It's not that hard. He's like, first of all, turn the fire down. I'm like, ah, <laughs> got it. So he, you know, showed me how to make grilled cheese. He showed me how we make, you know, our standard tacos or his standard tacos. Mine, obviously, are lentils. His were ground beef. Um, just those little moments, you know, or the monkey bread on Christmas morning him like walking away from it hold on don't open that yet and stopping the camcorder he's like I gotta go check on the food you know for holidays it was just always my dad was in the kitchen and my his mom was always in the kitchen and my grandma was always in the kitchen my, my mom's mom and it's just like everything always seems to revolve back to the kitchen it's always you can have a party in your home but where's everybody hanging out at in the in kitchen. kitchen yeah <laughs> Yeah. So I guess I'm not surprised that this is where things ended up, but I, I'm, I imagine if he were still here, he'd probably be running the grill with me. But then again, if he mm -hmm. was here, I probably wouldn't be Veggie Thumper. I don't know. That's, that's a hard call. But just him taking the time to make sure we were nourished. You know, not fighting with me when all I would eat was frosting in between two monster cookies from the lunchroom at school. <laughs> <laughs> He, he definitely did do a good job. I do remember when he tried to push the vegetarian agenda, he made a, his eggplant. That was what it was. Mm. It's an eggplant lasagna. And I was like, that was not very well executed. I was not grateful. I feel bad now. <laughs> like a few days before he died, and he, made, he made goulash. Okay. And it was just not one of my favorites. I don't know why. Maybe it was something about the way it was made. and I don't know. The seasonings so he made it and then he had isaiah call me and say dinner's really good mommy you should actually eat with us tonight i think i was at work because i used to call me like what are you making for dinner dad like when he was at work and whatnot he's like you cannot call me at work to ask what i'm making for dinner i'm like you have your own office it's not like they know what i'm calling for <laughs> <laughs> and so i just i you know as long as i could hold on to that message before you know digital voicemails came on my dad coming on hey it's your kid he has a message the goulash is really good mom you should come home and eat okay we love you and hanging up so just food and memories and my dad being the one to cook and then me having to figure it out <laughs> so much for your time Lisa so real quick for our listeners where can they find and support Veggie Thumper um, the best way to keep track of me I would say is Facebook or VeggieThumper.com I am on Instagram but I'm not as good at updating it because it doesn't do it automatically but uh, they can find out about whatever meals and stuff that will be available uh, usually on Facebook first so Veggie Thumper Facebook will you 
and they can find out there and find my parking locations and when we plan on closing the window for the season weather willing hopefully we can make it to the first week or two of december or until i get soaked from pulling the hose out of the tank and then i get upset and i'm like we're done <laughs> whichever one comes first um yeah you can find us on social media so david well what do you, what, what do you think oh man it's Definitely makes me think of like uh, just different ways of for me to, to cook and how I, you know, think about food and, and nutrition and think about generations and what I want to pass down to my to my future generation or even to like the younger people that, that I come across to, especially Doug, you know, we're. <laughs> you're very involved in social media and people get to see what you, what you make and you add a lot of vegetables and stuff. So like you're also making an impact to, to, to the viewers. Um, but, but what do you think overall? I, I mean, you know, um, I, I think about the very start of her journey kind of what she was talking about in the very beginning. And, um, the thing that I, I kind of wish I dug into a little bit more was, was just what, what her diet was like, you know, when she was growing up. Cause she, she said that she kind of was a little bit peculiar. She was maybe, uh, ate some kind of strangers. She talked about like eating a bunch of oranges for a while and they took her to like a psychologist or she was just like very picky. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think like, do you remember having any sort of like food fixations or, or strange things that you ate or things that like puzzled your parents? I don't, the more I reflect on it, like, um, pickles was probably one right. thing. Like I would, when I was like, you yeah. know, we'll go to McDonald's and have a happy meal you know, get your little cheeseburger. I'll literally request for a cup of pickles. And they're like, can I get a small cup <laughs> with pickles? And they'll give it to me. And they'll like, you know, put like a like half an inch. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like to the top. Like, and then I'll just eat that as like a side or I'll just put like yeah. a mound of it on my burger. But do you have anything particular that you think about that you had as a child? I mean, I think I was a little bit, I definitely had like an order in which I would eat things on like a plate. So like I remember growing up with those plates that had like the different sections on them. It, mm -hmm. it was almost like we had the plates that like were almost like cafeteria trays at school. They'd have like a little a little square for where you could put like something here, a little circle for there. And and so I remember I, sometimes I would get meals and so there'd be meat in one area, there'd be veggies, there'd be like rice over here and you know maybe some kind of like pickle thing or you know because uh, i think i liked pickles a lot as a kid too and i remember like determining like i would like map out everything and I'd be like i'd eat this part first and then i take a bite of that and then i take a bite and there was an order like three or four or like five things that i would like do in a loop i would go <laughs> around and i would like very methodically eat that way and it would really make me angry if i'd like had something like left over, so I'd like try to make it so I could like get everything done all at once. Mm. I I have to say like I do not do that anymore. <laughs> but I remember like being very I don't know I, I don't know what it was as a kid that made me do that or why I stopped doing that. But like that and um, what was it? Peanut butter and bologna sandwiches. I don't know where I got it from, but for some reason oh, I really man. like peanut butter and bologna sandwiches, which I I don't know. I haven't had one in. Many many years. Now I think now it's time. It's time to, for that. I've I, I, I've heard of bologna sandwiches with like weird like weird stuff. Like I think I've heard of peanut butter and bologna. I know I've heard of like jam bologna, but I'm curious yeah. to know like if that I've heard like, uh, peanut butter mayonnaise. Peanut butter mayonnaise. I've heard I of peanut, peanut butter mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Oh my god. Yeah. Man, 
Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the eating, the the way you know you essentially calculate your plates and how you're gonna eat it. <laughs> um, I do that when I get towards the end of what flavor I want to end with. Ah. So I I do that today, like you know I'll eat my food, but then when I have like a few bites left, or I'm running mm. something like. If I have a bite of a burger, but I still have a side, I'll try to finish my... If the burger is great enough, that I'll eat my sides first and finish with the burger so that I have that as a lingering flavor. Okay, yeah. I, okay, I'll admit, I do that as well. I, I have like a like an end game that I like plan out at the very... You know, when I, <laughs> when I know things are winding down, I'll have kind of an end game. Like, okay, what can I... Especially if I'm like, if I'm getting full and there's like so much left on the plate, I'm just like, okay, what do, what can I fit in there that's gonna like that's gonna be worth it? Yes, <laughs> like only the best stuff is gonna is gonna make it. Um, that's interesting. Like, so yeah, maybe maybe some of those habits have carried through to the very end. Oh man, yeah. So I will say, I I think the only other potentially similar thing is like whenever. I get like, I don't do this very often anymore, but every once in a while I'll have like a bag of tortilla chips and I'll have like salsa or something. I'll, uh-huh. Either I've made some or like, or I'll have like guac that I've made. And like, I want a bag of chips to equate to like a whatever I have of guacamole or whatever I have of salsa. And I like try and like make sure I use up all the chips with the amount of guac. It never works. I always fail at this. Okay. Like that's like the goal. Quick question. <laughs> quick question. Yeah. Are you a... Okay, so when you eat with chips and like a dip, are you a scooper or a dipper? Okay, wait, wait. Okay. Do define what you mean by that. Like, do you dip the chip and pull it out like straight, just vertical, just a vertical dip? Oh, like you let it j- like you let it drip off. Yes, you let it drip off, or do you like treat that chip as if it was a spoon? Oh yeah, no, edible it's a spoon, spoon for me. I I like I I am I'm Thank trying you. to stack that chip. Yes. Yeah. With everything, I was like just. You know, you might you might have some spillage on the journey to your mouth, but yes, yeah. Great. yeah. Like I mean, maybe if it were something like nacho cheese, then I I I might be like a little less inclined to do that. I might let that drip off, but like salsa, mm-hmm. guac, I'm definitely like scooping to to kind of get that. Yeah, but being a you scooper, pr- you approve that that's the way that you. you I like approve to do that, it as well. but the problem yeah. with being a scooper is that you have a larger have chance to have leftover chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think it's also frustrating when like you get the other like when you get it like if you order like food from like a Mexican restaurant then you don't get like the full bag of like you know like that you buy the grocery store bag of like family sized chips and you mm-hmm. get those like wax paper bags of chips yeah and then I feel like I run out of chips too fast <laughs> oh man yeah so like I, I can never win. It's it's like hot dogs and hot dog buns. Like you're you're never supposed to win. It's it's stacked against you. Yeah. And then um <laughs> when you said about eating things a specific way, I used to when I was a kid, I used to not eat certain dishes if I was missing an ingredient or a topping. Like that was the only picky. Well, what I was. do you mean? What do you mean? Like So as a, there was this one time, um my dad had tripe soup, which is menudo. Um, and usually with menudo, you know, I eat it with avocado, lime, some onion, and some oregano. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have avocados. And I like for me, like I know the flavor that I have in my head, and it's like it's yeah. not the same. It's oh. like it's like if you cook something bad, like right, like this right. is like I need I need the avocado. I can't eat this if I don't have this because that's the flavor <laughs> that I'm used to. 
<laughs> it's like if you order a cheeseburger and there's no cheese, I'm like, I can't. Do I eat this hamburger? I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I can imagine like, I well, like, what did you do in that case? Did you just like rage quit and like flip the? <laughs> I was upset. I was like... upset. It was it was known that I was upset, and then you know, obviously, my siblings were uh-huh. upset that I was upset because they're like, "You ungrateful, you know, <laughs> yeah. little turd." And yeah, so obviously, I had to you know eat what was in front of me. But yeah. my dad always bought extra avocados, so <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> I can definitely, like, I, I can sympathize with that. I don't know if I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was a little bratty at points when I was a kid. And, like, if if I didn't have, like, the right stuff or, like, the full complete thing that was in my head, I'd probably get a little pouty about it and probably, like, sort of begrudgingly eat whatever it was. But, um, but yeah, like, that's still, it's it still kind of happens to me. Obviously, like, I'm an adult, and so, like, I deal with it better now. Oh, but, no, I do not. But, oh, you don't, here's a quick story. Here's a quick story. Oh, man. People are going to probably get, think less of me for this one. So, it's okay. So, my wife and I got, when we got married, we went on a honeymoon, right? And on the back from the honeymoon, uh-huh. we hit up an airport. So, we ate at the airport, and there's a pot bellies. Now, mm-hmm. for those who don't know what pot bellies, usually it's like a, it's a sandwich chain based in, in the Chicagoland area. And they have them like throughout the, the U.S. too. But we didn't have a pot bellies in Iowa, so I was looking forward to it. And I have my order, right? I have like my sub and my my ingredients, and you have that flavor that you I craved this because it's been years since I had this. <laughs> so I ordered the sandwich, they're heating it up, and then we get to the ingredient, right? The building building your sandwich portion, and I always do like you know lettuce, um, tomato, mayo, pickles, extra pickles, and then when I said that, they're like, we're out of pickles, and I literally stopped. Uh-huh. Looked at her, looked at the lady, and I was like, I don't want the sandwich anymore. And and I already went through the conveyor belt, right? And she looked at me and she's like, What? I'm like, and my wife is like, Are you serious? And I was like, I was like, They don't have pickles. I don't want the sandwich. Like, I'm just gonna eat something different. And the lady didn't know, she like panicked and she she went to talk to the manager. The manager came. And they're like, what's going on? And I was like, well, oh. I was looking forward to this, but the situation was like, you guys are out of pickles and it's not how I want my sandwich. I'm like, I'm like, oh. like in my head, I was like, I was, it's been years and I've been craving this. Yeah. So my, my wife is embarrassed. She's like, she's like, I can't believe you're going to say this is a sandwich. And then the manager's like, I'll give you a bowl of soup for free if you just get the sandwich. And I was like, okay, fine. So literally I got free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> for rejecting the sandwich and my, my wife was embarrassed so she's like oh my god and then you know they cut the sandwich in half we get the, like the bowl of syrup and we're sitting down waiting you know in our in our waiting room to get to get board a plane so we split the sandwich and she's like i can't believe that and then so we're eating it and midway through she like nods her head and i'm like what's wrong and she's like you're right it would have tasted better with the pickles and i'm like told you and i not the same. It's not the same experience. It's yeah. Oh man, that's lovely. That's lovely. Uh, I mean, I mean that does happen to me. Like I, I've never. I don't think I've rejected a sandwich. I'm, I'm, I, I try not to reject like anything that I, I get out of there. But like, I will say that I have a lot of regret after like, especially like now where, I don't know. I, I don't know why for some reason. Like sometimes I like. 
I'll like approach a very difficult recipe or I'll just approach something that I'm cooking that has like a lot of steps and I'll like prep something. And then literally I'll finish dinner and I'll look over and I'll be like, oh, I forgot to put that thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've already eaten everything. And we're like, dinner is done. Yes. Or lunch is done. And I'm just like, oh, God, that would have been so butter had I remembered to put this thing in there. Have you ever? Like, e- I wondered what was missing. <laughs> have you ever eaten something that you knew how to make and then you're like eating it and you're like, something's missing? And then once you finish, you like, like walk by the counter and you're like, that's what I forgot to put in there. Yeah. Like that's what I, it I, was. The worst one was where I prepped an ingredient. It was like these egg ribbons that I was supposed to go into this kind of like noodle salad, like gotcha. And I remember I like, I was just like doing a bunch of things at once and I prepped the gotcha and, and put it together and like we ate it. And then like the next morning I was preparing breakfast and I looked over at this like takeout container that I'd used to like hold it temporarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, I left that there all night. Like, A, I didn't even put it in there. And then, B, I forgot about it for, like, 12 hours. And I was just like, oh, God, okay. I have to, like, ease up on whatever I'm doing because I, like, I'm, I don't have the focus to do this right. Oh. Thank you to Bo Breton for our music. You can find him on social at B-E-A-U-B-R-E-N-T-O-N. Um, you can find us at We Are Beyond Hungry on Instagram and Facebook, where you can DM us questions or comments or share your story of becoming a vegetarian or vegan or any food journey that you're on that you'd like to share. Um, And you can also reach us at wearebeyondhungry at gmail.com. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or however you rate podcasts. And if you write a review, like an actual review with words in it, then we will love you forever, I promise. And as always, thank you for listening. Stay hungry.